Act One of Melisette, a heroic pastoral, by Moliere, translated by Henri von Lom, eighteen twenty through eighteen ninety six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Melesserte, a heroic pastoral in two acts. Dramatis Personae. Myrtle, in love with Melesert. Read by Adrian Stevens. Acanth, in love with Daphne. Read by Dale Burgess. Tyrene, in love with Eroxen. Read by David Purdy. Lycarsus, herdsman, supposed father to Myrtle. Read by Todd. Nicandra, a shepherd. Read by Alan Mapstone. Mopsa, shepherd, supposed uncle to Melisert. Read by Andrew Gantz. Melisert, shepherdess. Read by Avai. Daphne, shepherdess. Read by Kathy Marie Walshek. Eroxene, shepherdess. Read by Sonia. Corinne, confidant of Melisert. Read by Wendy Katz Hiller. Stage directions. Read by Kelly Taylor. Scene. Thessaly, in the valley of Tempe. Melesete, Act One, Scene One, Daphne, Erosene, Acanthe, Terine. Ah, charming Daphne. Too lovely, Eroxene. Leave me, Acanthe. Do not follow me, Tyrrhene. Acanthe, to Daphne. Why do you drive me away? Terine, to Erosene. Why do you fly from me? Daphne, to Acanthe. You please me most when far away. Erosene, to Tyrene. I love to be where you are not. Why not cease this killing severity? Why not cease to be so cruel? Why not cease your useless protestations? <sighs> Why not cease to bore me? I die with grief, unless you pity them. Unless you succor me, my death is but too sure. Unless you go, I leave this place. If you remain, I say goodbye. Well, be it so. To please you, I will go. When I am gone, I am sure you will be pleased. Generous Aroxene, vouchsafe, for pity's sake, to say a word or two to her in favor of my passion. Obliging Daphne, speak to this inhuman creature, and learn whence proceeds so much hatred towards me. Scene 2. Daphne, Erosene. Acanthe has some merit, and loves you dearly. How is it that you treat him so harshly? Tyrene has much worth and pines for your love. Whence comes it that, without pity, you behold him shedding tears? Since I put the question first, it is but fair that you should answer before me. 
All Accomp's attentions make no impression on me, because I care for someone else. I treat Terene with harshness because another is master of my heart. May I know this choice which you conceal? Yes, if you tell me this secret of yours. I can easily satisfy your wish without telling you the name of him I love. I have an admirable portrait of him in my pocket, the work of Addis, that inimitable painter, so like him in every feature that I am sure you will recognize him at a glance. I can satisfy you by the same means and repay your secret in the like coin. I also have a lovely portrait by this famous painter of the object of my affections, so like him in every feature and in his exceeding grace that you will name him at first sight. The case which the painter has had made for me is exactly like yours. It is true. They are exactly alike, and certainly Attis must have had them made together. Let us now, by means of these few tints, show each other the secret of our hearts. Let us see who will soonest understand this language, and which work speaks most plainly. This is a droll mistake, and you have made a nice blunder. Instead of your portrait, you have given me back my own. Indeed, I have i do not know how i came to do it give it me it is because you were dreaming what is the meaning of this i believe we are joking with each other you have made the same blunder as i have with the portraits this is certainly enough to make on laugh give it me back again erosine placing the two portraits side by side this is the true way not to make a blunder is this an allusion to my preoccupied senses? Is my mind affecting my eyes? Myrtle is shown to me in this work. Of Myrtle's features I see the image. It is young Myrtle who has kindled my flame. It is to young Myrtle that all my wishes tend. I came today to entreat you to tell how his merits interest me in his lot. I came to ask you to assist me in my affections, to help me to gain his heart. Is this affection with which he inspires you so powerful? Is your love for him so violent? He could inflame the coldest heart, and his budding charms must delight everyone. Oh, not a nymph but would esteem herself happy in loving him. Diana herself might without shame be enamoured of him. Nothing but his bright presence charms me nowadays, and had I a hundred hearts, they shall all be his. He blots every other sight from my eyes, and had I a scepter, he should be master of it. It would be useless then to try to tear this love from our breasts. Our hearts are too steadfast in their wishes. Only let us try, if possible, to remain friends, and since we both have formed the same designs for the same youth, let us act with the utmost candor in this matter and not take a mean advantage of each other let us hasten together to lycurus and confide to him our tender feelings for his son i can hardly conceive so great is my surprise how such a son could spring from such a father his shape his mien his words his eyes all make you believe that the blood of the gods runs in his veins but i consent 
let us go and find the father let us open our hearts to him and agree that myrtil shall decide by his own choice afterwards this contest of our desires be it so i perceive lachesis with mopsy and nicandra they will leave him perhaps let us hide ourselves till they do scene three lacarsus mops nicandra nicandra to lacarsus tell us your news ah how you pressed me it does not do to tell these things as you imagine what silly ceremonies and what tomfoolery menalcas does not make more to sing amongst the busybodies in political matters the divulging of news generally causes a great stir i wish to be considered as rather a man of importance and enjoy your impatience a little longer do you wish to tire us both by your delay do you take pleasure in making yourself a bore prithee speak out and stop these grimaces ask me both in a decent manner and tell me what you will give me if i do as you wish plague take the fool let us leave him nicandre he is more anxious to tell than we are to hear his news weighs him down he wishes to get rid of it and we will just vex him by not listening eh it serves you right for your ado i will tell it you then listen not at all what you do not wish to hear me no very well i will not say a word and you shall know nothing all right you shall not know then that the king has come to honour tempe with his presence in the most magnificent style and that he made his entry into larissa yesterday afternoon and that i saw him there comfortably installed with a whole court that these woods will be rejoiced to-day at the sight of him and that there are a great many rumours abroad in connection with his visit we do not wish to know anything i have seen a hundred things there delightful to behold nothing but great lords glittering and brilliant from head to foot as if dressed for a holiday they astonish one's eyes and are more dazzling than our meadows at springtime with all their flowers as for the prince himself he is easily known amongst all the rest he looks like a grand monarch a mile off there is a something about him that makes you tell at once that he is a master king he performs his part with matchless grace and to say the truth it suits him admirably you would hardly believe how everyone at court eagerly watches for a glance there reigns around him a pleasant confusion and one would think it a swarm of brilliant insects following everywhere a sweet honeycomb in short i have seen nothing so lovely under the canopy of heaven and our much cherished feast of pan is a mere piece of trash compared with this spectacle since you seem so proud i keep my news to myself and shall tell nothing and we do not in the least wish to hear you go to the right about go and hang yourself scene four erosine daphne lycarsus lycarsus believing himself alone that is the way to punish people when they are foolish and impertinent 
Heaven always preserve your flock, shepherd. May Ceres always keep your barns full of corn. And may the great Pan give to each of you a husband, who will love you much and be worthy of you. Ah, Larcasus, our wishes tend to the same end. Both our hearts sigh for the same object. And that boy Cupid, the cause of all our languor, has borrowed from you the darts with which he wounds our hearts. And we have come here to seek your countenance and to see which of us two shall have the preference. Nymphs? For this alone we sigh. I am. For this happiness only we wish. We express our thoughts somewhat freely. Why so? Good breeding seems somewhat outraged. Not at all. But when the heart is consumed with the noble flame, one may without any shame make a candid avowal of it. I... We may be allowed this freedom, and the beauty of our heart's choice warrants it. You shock my modesty by flattering me thus. No, no. Affect no modesty in this case. In short, all our happiness is in your keeping. Our only hope depends on you. Shall we find any difficulty in you? Ah. Tell me, shall our wishes be rejected? No. Heaven has given me no cruel heart. I take after my late wife. And I feel, like her, a great sympathy with the desires of others. And I am not the man to show much pride. Then grant us, Myrtle, to our ardent love. And allow his choice to adjust our quarrel. Myrtle? Yes, it is Myrtle whom we desire of you. Of whom did you think we were speaking? I do not know. But Myrtle is not of an age to take the yoke of matrimony upon himself. His growing merit may strike other eyes, and we wish to secure to precious a possession, to forestall others, and to brave fortune under the firm ties of a common bond. As by his wit and other brilliant qualities, he is out of the common order and outstrips time. So shall our affection for him do the same, and regulate all his wishes according to his exceeding merit. It is true that for his age he sometimes surprises me, and that this Athenian, who stayed with me for twenty months, finding him so handsome, took a fancy to fill his mind with his philosophy. He has made him so clever upon certain subjects that, great as I am, he often puzzles me. But, after all, he is still a child, and his knowledge is mixed with a great deal of innocence. He is not such a child, but that I, who see him every day, believe him somewhat lovesick already, and I have noticed many a thing that shows that he is after Melisert. They may be in love with each other, and I can see... Nonsense! As for her, I do not say. She is two years older than he, and two years with her sex means a great deal. But as for him, he dreams of nothing but play, I think, and of his little vanities of being dressed like the shepherds of lofty rank. In short, we wish by the marriage tie to attach his fortune to ours. We are both equally eager to assure ourselves beforehand of the mastery of his heart. I feel myself more honored than you would think. I am but a poor herdsman, and it is certainly too much glory that two nymphs of the highest rank in the land 
should contend for making my son their husband. Since he pleases you so much, let the matter be arranged in this way. I consent that his choice shall adjust your dispute, and she, whom his decree shall set aside, may marry me in compensation if she likes. By all events, it is the same blood and almost the same thing. But here he is. Allow me to prepare him a little. He has some sparrow newly caught, and this is nearly all his love and attachment. Scene 5. Erosine, Daphne, and Lycarsus, at the further end of the stage. Myrtle. Myrtle, believing himself alone, carrying a sparrow in a cage. Innocent little bird that thus before me beat your wings so violently against your prison walls, bewail not your loss of freedom. Yours is a glorious fate. I have caught you for Malisert. She will kiss you and take you in her hands and grant you the favour of nestling in her bosom. Can there be a sweeter and a happier lot? Oh, happy little sparrow, where is the king that would not change places with you? A word with you, Myrtle. Leave these playthings alone. It is a question of something else than sparrows. These two nymphs, Myrtle, lay claim to you at the same time, and, young as you are, desire you for their husband. I am to secure you to them by marriage, and they wish you to choose one of them. These nymphs? Yes. Of the two, you must select one. Look at the happiness in store for you, and bless your good fortune. Can this proffered choice be deemed happiness, if my heart does not in the least wish for it? At least acknowledge it, and respond properly and without confusion to the honour intended for you. Behold, Myrtle, notwithstanding the pride which reigns amongst us, two nymphs who offer themselves to you. The marvellous promise of your worth reverses the order of things in this case. We believe you, Myrtle as the best judge in that matter to consult your own eyes and heart nor will we influence your choice by a flowery description of our own perfections you intend me an honour the greatness of which dazzles me but i confess that this honour is too great for me i must oppose your exceeding goodness i am of too little worth to deserve such fortune and however great its attractions might be I should be sorry that, for my sake, you should be blamed for having chosen beneath you. Comply with our wishes, whatever may be said of it, and do not trouble yourself with the care of our glory. No, do not think so humbly of yourself, and leave us to be the judges of your deserts. Even the proffered choice opposes itself to your expectations, and alone would prevent my heart from satisfying you. How am I to choose between two great beauties, equal in birth and rare perfections? To reject either would be a terrible crime, and it is much more reasonable to choose neither. But in refusing to comply with our desires, instead of one, you offend two, Myrtle. Since we were will to abide by your decision, you cannot defend yourself with these reasons. Well, then, if these reasons do not satisfy you, this one will. I love other charms. 
and i feel full well that a heart which a beautiful object engrosses is indifferent and deaf to all other advantages what now what means all this who could have thought it and do you know boy what love is without knowing it myself my heart does but this love displeases me and is not wanted if it displeases you you ought not to have given me such a tender and sensitive heart but this heart that i have given you owes me obedience yes when it is in its power to obey but it ought not to love without my leave why did you not hinder it then from being charmed well i forbid you to let this continue i am afraid your prohibition comes too late what has not a father superior rights even the much greater gods cannot control our hearts the gods peace little fool this philosophy makes me do not be angry pray no he shall choose one of you or i will whip him before your faces <laughs> i will let you know that i am your father pray let us manage matters without anger may we inquire of you myrtle the name of the charming object whose beauty has made you her swain Mayly said, madam, she may make others love her. Do you compare her attractions to ours, Myrtle? His choice between her and us is unequal enough. Nymphs, in heaven's name, do not say any ill of her. Pray consider that I love her, and do not upset my mind. If by loving her I outrage your heavenly charms, she has no part in that crime, or the offence comes from me, if you please it is true that i know the difference between you and her but we cannot escape our fate in short nymphs i feel that heaven has granted me all imaginable respect for you but for her all the love of which a heart is capable i perceive by the blush that rises in your face that my words do not please you my heart fears to hear in your answer what may wound it in its most tender part and to avoid such a blow i prefer taking my leave of you nymphs hello myrtle hello will you come back you wretch he is off but we shall see who is master do not concern yourself about all these idle raptures you shall have him for a husband i answer with my life for that end of act one